Hello and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly, the aviation maintenance industry. Raw and unscripted, I am your host, Brian Wheels, and today is episode 7 of this podcast series where we talk about a mechanic's voice and why management should care, coming up. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to this episode 7 of the podcast where we talk about a mechanic's voice and why management should care. So you've heard me say it several times, but what I do mean and why is important. In the pilot episode, I spoke about one of the purposes of this podcast was give a voice for aircraft mechanics. What that means is a social media outlet that pertains to the day in and day out adventures, if you would, of an aircraft mechanic from an aircraft mechanic. So not only is this an avenue to discuss these happenings, what I also mean by a mechanic's voice is my encouragement for mechanics to speak up and voice their concerns, whatever those might be. And my frustration with the backlash that mechanics receive from leadership when they do so. I know mechanics who have zero problems speaking their minds, and I'm one of them. And regardless of retaliation they might receive, they still speak up and they say, no, this is wrong, that's wrong, I have a concern about this or that, whatever it might be. But I also know plenty of mechanics who would rather keep their mouth shut because they fear losing their jobs if they speak out of turn. And I get it. I'm not going to place fault on anybody to say, well, you know, I really don't want to say anything or I didn't say anything because I'm afraid of losing my job. You can't fault them for that. Why do they think that way in the first place? I hate to rag on, well, I wouldn't say I hate, but the fact of the matter is bad leadership can do that. That can prevent people from speaking up from saying, no, I think this is wrong. I have a way we could do it better. Listen to me. So I understand if people would rather keep their mouth shut. I don't blame them. Would you risk voicing your concern and lose your job over it? So I'm going to explain some of that. And yes, this is the reality at many companies. Truly, truly is. And I understand I'm going to get some emails saying, well, it's like that in accounting. It's like that at the gas station I work at. It's like it at the mechanic shop, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I understand. The focus of this podcast is about the aviation maintenance community and the aircraft mechanics that work within it. So we're not talking about the accounting firm. We're not talking about that gas station. We're not talking at the auto shop you work at. We're talking about aviation. But you might say, Brian, can't aircraft mechanics just go to human resources and voice their concerns that way if their supervisors don't want to hear it? Generally, no. HR is not a mechanic's friend. They are management in the company's companion, but they're not the mechanics. Sure, I'll get backlash for that, maybe even from HR folks. Yeah, HR is here for everybody, you know? We back that uh, hold hand, sing kumbaya bullshit. No, you don't. No, you don't. I've seen it firsthand. Remember, I, I was a manager. I was a supervisor. I've done those jobs. And I can certainly tell you that when an issue arises and you have to speak to the human resources rep, they're going to say, hey, you know what's a great idea? Just start writing some notes or kind of create a paper trail. We'll get rid of them. They are not on the side of the employees. They are not on the side of employees. Their job is to back management and to be the company's companion. That is it. Again, I've worked both sides of the fence, both as a mechanic and in management, I've even been coined the outsider by other managers and supervisors who would have liked to see me become one of them or a member of the good old boy club. But I'm not. I don't subscribe to that shit. 
As a manager, I butted heads with both other managers and HR because, and they would tell me, you care too much about the employees. Or, you're not one of them anymore, Brian. You're in management now. Act like it. An aviation manager is responsible, obviously, for overseeing all maintenance operations in the hangar, and and the duties associated with the role, they're they're wide-ranging. Typically, as an aviation manager, you oversee the, the hiring, firing, negotiating contracts, coordinating work carried out by the various departments, taking care of scheduling parts, tooling conflicts, GSC issues, non-routines, unscheduled engineering issues that pop up, blah, 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 blah. And as a good manager, you should take responsibility for the happenings within your department instead of finding scapegoats, whether that be for the provision of training, designing and implementing you know, strategic initiatives for the group, ensuring compliance with all the relevant rules and regulations, Take care of the needs of your employees. Don't let this other stuff filter out the concept of employees are making the company money. You're not the one on the floor wrenching. They are. There's obviously no set rule that says blow off your employees' concerns. There's no management handbook that says, yeah, tell them to go screw themselves, take care of their own, figure it out. There's nothing like that. So why is leadership and management doing this? I've had other managers and supervisors argue the same point with me. Some of them don't believe that anyone else but them should have a voice or say of what goes on because they are caught up in the role. They're caught up now into, no, I'm leadership. I'm leadership. I'm I'm not turning a wrench no more. I'm leadership. I'm going to do what I want. And to that, I reply, so what do you think you should be doing? I did have one guy say to me years ago, he said, you tell me. Okay. So I rattled off several things. I said, well, some traits that I expect out of a good manager or a supervisor is strong organizational skills, ability to work well under pressure, good written and verbal communication skills. Those are essential. Possess a strong knowledge of the aviation industry, its processes, nuances, the legal requirements, sound judgment, excellent time management, critical thinking, people skills, problem-solving ability, being adaptable, having stamina to work in such a demanding and potentially stressful world. I just started rattling this all off of this guy. He just, again, he just kind of looked at me and, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> those are all absolutely fundamental. And he just said, well, what, what do any of those have to do with listening to a mechanic's concern? I, I still don't get it. We are managing the mechanics who make the money. Are you going to go to the floor and the staff quits because you're bullshit? What excuse do you have to the DOM when he comes down and says, what the hell happened to our employees? Why did they walk out? You're screwed. That's what. So, we have to take a little sponsor break here. Stay tuned, part two of episode seven. Let's say you're on the line and you've got gay calls flooding in. You and your buddy have just been assigned a block of gates to go take care of, right? And several of these calls, they're service checks. But your manager comes down and he says, those service checks, guys, just sign them off. Tires really never go bad. Oil never really needs to be checked. Those planes are pretty new. They just came out of sea check a little while ago. What are you going to do? You're going to sign them off or are you going to say, hey, boss, they, they really need to be done. I, I don't feel comfortable just signing them off without doing the job. Now your manager replies to you and says, are you telling me no? What are you going to do? I pose that question to you folks. What are you going to do? I've seen this exact scenario play out. The two in this case 
mechanics, they did end up just signing off the cards because they didn't want to piss off the manager. And exactly a day later, one of those aircraft blew a tire and left the runway while it was departing. That's no good. So, of course, who do they go after? The manager? No, 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 no. Those two mechanics had to fly out to HQ and talk to the feds and the NTSB. And one of them ended up losing their ticket. He was the more experienced mechanic of the two. And the other one had his ticket suspended and he was fired from the company. From what I understand, he never returned to aviation. Was it worth it? Another time, I worked for a company that had a reputation for having pretty shitty GSC equipment and, and tooling. Matter of fact, when I went through NDOC, remember inspector or quality assurance guy discussing the procedures and, and stuff, the policies that we had in place in the company. And anywho, he had even mentioned that beware, you know, we kind of have some crappy GSC equipment and, and we have tooling issues. All in all, they didn't want to spend money on buying a lot of purpose-built GSC equipment for heavy maintenance. And those of you who have been at dedicated heavy maintenance shops where the companies actually care about their GSC equipment and the tooling on hand, their B stands are freaking incredible. I mean, they've got scaffolding purposely built for these aircraft. So anywho, there was this, this one GSC ladder that was supposedly made just for the purpose of gaining access to the, the aft area of the 767, including the rear cargo. And this ladder slash platform was made years prior by some GSC guy who came up with the idea. And really what he did is just cut apart and welded together different pieces of ladder or scaffolding platforms to, to make it work. And this thing had been there for years, but they kept on using it. Well, this ladder slash platform had two top steps that had broken welds. And the, the right side, or that would be the forward side of the platform, uh, the forward side being pointing towards the nose, it was bent downwards from years of people stepping on the side and just the weight of it just pushing down the floor. And that was within the, the area of the handrail. So, you you know, although you could, could be holding on to the handrail, you had to watch your footing because you could step down to this, step onto this floor that had been bent downwards and you could hurt yourself. So you had, you had to watch yourself, especially when you were opening and closing the lower cargo door so that you didn't slip off and get your foot caught in it. Anyways, this same piece of GSE equipment had been complained about several times and the employees would even tag the equipment out, red tag it, so that the GSE guys could come over, get it, and repair it. And then they would use a regular ladder instead to gain access to whatever they needed in the aft end of the aircraft. But it's like this thing would keep on finding its way back to the floor. These guys would tag it out and like the very next day it would be in the same spot in position underneath the aft end of the aircraft. And it was really annoying. So it ended up that the, the night supervisor got ticked off that the guys in the day would tag this this platform and move it out of the hangar in hopes that the GSE folks would come in and take it and fix it. And so he'd have his guys bring it back into the hangar. And so he was getting ticked off. One day, he, he actually shows up at our morning meeting to, to bitch at us. He didn't want it being moved all the time. And he, he told the group in the morning, the morning meeting, to stay in place and not be moved and that it was a perfectly safe piece of equipment. Well, this got these, particularly these three guys upset. And they spoke up and they said that they've almost fallen or otherwise gotten hurt themselves using this piece of crap. And they wanted it to, to be either repaired or a purpose-built platform be purchased by the company or be allowed to use freaking ladders, as they should have been. This evening, supervisor gets all pissed. And he says it's not going to happen. 
but these mechanics kept on pushing the point during the group meeting, and they threatened to tell HR and the safety department about it. This supervisor gets pissed, and he says, guys, go to my office. Let's talk. They all go to the supervisor's office and talk, and although I wasn't privy to that conversation, what I heard later was that the supervisor sits these guys down, and he tells them point blank not to ever argue with him in front of other mechanics again. And one guy got fed up and I guess stood up and, and told this guy off right then and there. And he got terminated on the spot. While the other mechanics, uh, their mouth shut and they complied with it. So yeah, one guy, he, he's told him off. He says, I'm, I'm done. The other supervisor said, yeah, fine. You're done too. He fired him right on the spot. The other mechanics kept their mouth shut and they complied. But it turns out a few weeks later, one of those very same mechanics uh, that kept his mouth shut, he actually fell from that same platform and got hurt. I had been, I think I took some PTO and I had been away and I heard about this after I came back to work that one of these same guys had gotten hurt on that very same piece of equipment. During the investigation and stuff, he ends up telling the safety guy that after he's seen the other mechanics speak up in the supervisor's office and then one get fired, he figured he'd keep his mouth shut and save his job. But what did that cost him? He got injured. All because he let some dumb supervisor intimidate him. Again, that frustrates me to no end. Shitty management. Shitty leadership. They want to save a buck. At what cost? Cost to the aircraft? Cost to the people? It's ridiculous. It all boils down to safety, right? Whether you're pissed off, or whether you're not pissed off, How does it affect the overall safety of the aircraft? How does that affect your well-being, your safety? I'm sorry, I get get a little pissed when when these things happen. I get a little pissed off. Again, it's hard to blame people for that, though. I'll tell you what I would have done. I'd tell that supervisor to go ahead and fire me. I'd call OSHA, and I'd likely have gotten a lawyer, and I would have enjoyed the ultimate demise of that supervisor. But that's me. I can't force anyone else to do the same, albeit probably not in that same way. Because, uh, let's be honest, hostility, it doesn't do anything but fuels the fire, and it gets neither person anywhere. And I'm not an advocate of hostile practices, behavior, bullshit. You know, yeah, we get a little fired up, right? Especially as a supervisor or a manager, it's never acceptable. You have to, you have to keep a cool head. And yeah, I know, soups and managers... They get frustrated. They get mad. And I'm not saying they don't always have a reason. But you have to keep your cool. And as a mechanic, you got to try your best to keep your cool. And I know it's hard. Another time, uh, during my early years, I was on the line and we had a a 5.7 that had a field return because it couldn't raise the uh, left main landing gear after takeoff. So they returned to the gate and we met up with them to brief the crew. And the crew noted that the hydraulic system ECAST message had appeared well we told them to write it down in discrepancy and they did call maintenance control and they wanted us to take the aircraft off the gate and move it to the parking area so we could do a gear swing on the ramp so we moved the aircraft we parked it went to retrieve the drag stand only to find out that jack stands were out on a road trip he and used to repair another plane so i go back to the shop i tell the supervisor this and he says to reach out to another airline on the field and ask them to use their a320 jacks well i told him i said those aren't going to work and he argues with me that they would. I said, no, an A320 jack is not going to work for a 5.7. So he says, yeah, they are, and use them anyways. 
Like, how am I going to, how am I going to make that work? You want me to build extensions? He says, yes, make extensions for him. Oh, f now. Okay. I'm a welder. I'm a fabricator now. All right. <laughs> I'll make, I'll make fucking extensions for him. Really? Seriously, dude. I just looked at this guy in disbelief and, and he says, I've got a phone conference, Brian, make it work. And he closes the door in my face, right? And he goes over to his phone, do his phone conference. I go back to the fellas that I was working with on the plane. I, I tell them what the supervisor says. And they start laughing at me like I'm telling them a joke. The one fella, he's been doing this forever. And he says, that shit ain't going to fly. He says, I've had enough of this goddamn supervisor. He gets in his truck and he heads back to the office. Like after 30 minutes, we're still sitting there with the aircraft. I won't say his name, the other fella. He, he doesn't ever show back up. So we all head back to the line station, line office, to see what's going on. And he's right there, just packing up his toolbox, and he's cleaning out of his locker. Turns out he had enough of this guy. He went back there, and he tells the guy, he's an idiot. He knocks on the door. The supervisor opens the door real quick. He says, you're an idiot. You can't use A320 jacks on a 5.7. Well, the supervisor was on speakerphone with his boss when this other mechanic calls him an idiot. And I guess the supervisor said something like, the guys on the phone are like, well, what's going on? And the supervisor says, yeah, just another angry mechanic complaining or something to that effect. And this guy loses his shit on the supervisor while he's on the phone with his boss. And he quits on the spot. So he's collecting his stuff. He turns his badge in and he gets a ride out to the parking lot. And we all kind of said bye to him real quick. But I ended up meeting up with him years later at another job. And he said he just had enough of this supervisor. But anyway, meanwhile, we still need to get worked on this 5.7, right? And I tell the soup that we could use 767 stands, call around and see if any says available. And the supervisor still tells me to use A320 stands. And I say they won't work. As I'm arguing with the supervisor, another mechanic walks in and says, Brian's right, you know. You know, American probably has some 6.7 stands available. And the supervisor says, fine. And lo and behold, they did. <laughs> so stick around. We have another break coming up, part three. I'll give you the rest of the story and my final thoughts on it coming up. Hey everyone, welcome back. So on another occasion, this time I was a hangar maintenance supervisor. And I had this young mechanic come up to me and says uh, he's looking for alternative gear pins for a 3.7 because they're going to do a ops check. And of course I told him to look in the AMM. See what it calls out for as far as alternative uh, gear pins. He says he did that and they don't have both the recommended gear pins in stock or the alternative gear pins because they're in another hangar. And I told him, I said, well, go get them. He said he tried, but the other hangar is still using them and the tooling department has none left and he's been asking around to see what thoughts were. And first I start thinking, why doesn't this plane have gear pins in it to begin with? That's the number one item that should always be installed on an aircraft, especially if it's in the hangar. Now again, since this plane wasn't the one assigned to my group, I didn't know they were having issues with tooling. My line had all of its tooling and had all the parts. It was set straight. I didn't know that the line next to me did not have uh, gear pins in its plane and that they were having issues. So I, anyways, I asked the guy, I said, hey, have you spoken to your supervisor? And he mentioned it once to his supervisor, but his soup told him to tell the lead. So he tells the lead, the lead says, for whatever reason, I can't help you. Go back to the supervisor. 
but he was worried about going back to talk to him because he had seen the supervisor chew the asses of other mechanics and referring to them as stupid questions. This kid was young. He had maybe a year experience in aviation. Again, I don't blame him for feeling intimidated, but it's a damn shame that he did. I told him, I said, dude, there's no such thing as a stupid question. You know what? I'll speak to your supervisor myself. I'll, I'll get back to you. So I go talk to this guy, right? And it turns out he's about my age, a little older maybe. And I ask him, I say, hey, do you have gear pins in that plane? He says, that automatically goes, did that little shit tattle on me? And I said, no, man, no one tattled on you. And I explained to him what I was told. And he listens to me and says, I'm just so tired of these mechanics bitching and complaining about every little thing. I don't have time to please them. So I say, look, if the mechanics have been telling you there's an issue with tooling and equipment, you should be listening. You're definitely not helping the younger guys who might not speak up because you're being an asshole. And the younger guys are like, I don't want the supervisor getting on my shit. So don't blow them off. Just get the f***ing gear pins. And he goes on to tell me that it's none of my concern and to worry about my own plane and not his aircraft. I told him again, he better get pins on that plane like right now. So I watch him go over to the plane and stop work on the aircraft. He tells everyone to get off the plane. Turns out, it was about lunchtime, and I guess he goes to the hangar that had the alternative pins, and he gets them back, and after lunch, he has his group install them on the plane. This, plane, uh, th this place I worked with had no safety guy, but I did, during my lunch break, uh, email the DOM, and, uh, CC'd the quality manager, and let them know, in short, what had happened. I said, hey, you need to be aware that this aircraft did not have gear pins in it, FYI. So shortly after, I got another job offer elsewhere, and I left this place uh, to seek greener pastures, if there was such a thing. Just about a year later, I actually met up with a guy I'd worked with at this last company, and we got to talking and sharing stories and, you know, just bullshitting. And he tells me about six months after I left, Another mechanic working for that same dick supervisor gets his arm crushed by a TR that closed on him. Like, how in the f how did that happen, dude? And I guess they didn't have TR lockouts available to them. So the supervisor, same guy, tells him to stuff a piece of wood in the TR. I guess somehow it shut on the guy. He kicked it or, you know, someone moved it or something happened. Why couldn't have the supervisor had listened to the mechanics who were voicing their concerns over a lack of proper equipment? And doesn't that tell you right there the problem that can occur when, in this case, a supervisor doesn't listen to the concerns of the mechanics? When they think, oh, well, you guys are just bitching, complaining. Or when they get mad when, say, oh, did so-and-so tattle on me? It's a shame, guys. It's a shame. It's happened to all of us. Everyone that listens to this, I, I'm willing to bet you who's been in aviation any great length of time will tell you they've had similar experiences, have similar stories. So what's the point? Don't be afraid to speak up. If it takes a mass group to stand together and say no more, then so be it. No manager or supervisor not tell you that your concerns are not valid. They must be receptive to the concerns and the suggestions made by mechanics. They're the boots on the ground. They're the ones doing the job. Listen to them. Hell, if you are a supervisor or a member of management listening to this, it'll make your life easier in the long run, right? Because you won't have screw-ups like these past examples I gave you.
It'll make your life easier. Look at it that way. If you're thinking, ah, shit, this guy, he's just ragging on supervisors and managers. No, I've been a supervisor and a manager. But the difference between you and I is I can do your job better as you could. It's not hard. I tell mechanics all the time, always do the right things for the right reasons. When I was teaching GenFam, had a lot of new mechanics. I tell them the same thing. Always do the right things for the right reasons. If that little voice inside your head says, this is wrong, it's probably right. If you speak up, let's say you do lose your job because of it, you know what? It sucks that you lost your job. But in, in some sense, don't you feel better that you voiced your concern instead of being a sheep? Always do the right things for the right reasons. Always speak up. Voice your concerns. Make your suggestions. Until next time, guys, I do appreciate you all chiming in. Your emails, your messages, I, I, I love hearing from you guys. If you want to contact me, I would love to hear from you guys. Feel free to email me at apmechanicpodcast, one word, at aol.com. You can find me on Twitter at goodbadugly underscore ap or find me on Facebook at goodbadugly.com. AP. Until next time, everyone, I really appreciate you listening. Look forward to hearing from everyone, and we'll talk to you later. Take care and be safe.